All right. Welcome back to the Sandcrawler. Daniel and I were just talking. This is going to be a little bit of a soft relaunch. There's a wealth of content um, of previous podcasts that we've recorded, and we'll put those out there. But this is an opportunity for us to sort of recalibrate. We're going into 2023. We are in 2023. And really the intent here is for us to, you know, have a little bit of a soft launch, soft reboot in the comic book world and in TVs, magazines. Um, they have new volumes. That's what this is. So we're going to call this volume two, but episode one. We'll probably reference back some previous content that exists from prior episodes, which we'll post as well. We really, really will post that content. So it'll be somewhat archival. It'll be the Daniel in the in the context of Star Wars. That'll be our, our Jedi Temple archives. Uh, the system Love reveals it. the data in the past. Um, and so if the system says it's not there, it's simply not there, as Master Jocasta would say. But anyways, that's that's the intent today. We're going to talk just a little bit about what's going on, generally the state of the fandom, but more importantly, kind of what each one of us has been up to as it pertains to Star Wars. A lot has happened, and you know, I'm curious, Daniel, to hear a little bit what you've been working on and looking at. I've actually taken a little bit different of a dive into my Star Wars fandom, and I actually haven't talked to you about it much, so I feel like this would be good fodder for today. Uh, but anything else you want to add before we kind of cut right into it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like you had said, this will be <clears> – <throat> I think this technically marks maybe like our 23rd or so episode together. So the good news is that uh, we have like the experience of working on a cast and recording together. So we will still make mistakes, but we won't make as many as we would if this was our first one. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it has probably been, uh, maybe a year or so since we last recorded, we did, we got like a pretty good clip going. We had like a pretty good cadence yeah. of recording. Um, <clears throat> life always hits stuff happens, whatever. So we weren't able to record as often, um, where we are right now. Um, you know, Andor season one is, has wrapped. We're, we're post Andor by a couple months. Um, bad batch is, is 12 episodes deep. Um, we're getting towards the end of this second season and Mando, uh, has aired, uh, just a couple of days ago, episode two. So that's the temporal context for all of the listeners. Again, we hope to, I, I like, I'm going to make crazy efforts to get this published by the weekend. And so, um, essentially, uh, if you have not, if you're not at that stage in Star Wars, episode 12 of The Bad Batch, uh, which is a great episode, uh, episode two of Mando season three, then there might be spoilers. I doubt it, uh, but there might be. So at, at your own risk. But that's just a little time uh, 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 reference for everybody. So with that, uh, Jeff, I want to kick it back over to you again. So 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 my colleague over here is Jeff. Um, we'll go over like we both have Instagram accounts. We'll we'll drop that. It's probably in the details. We don't need to pimp ourselves like during the actual recording session, although we probably will at some point. Um, but, you know, suffice to say, this is this is Jeff. I'm Daniel. Um, I sometimes go by press or digup. Uh, I'll, you'll, you'll occasionally catch me calling Jeff Jubers, Jubes, variations of that, just nicknames, things like that. Um, but let's dive into it. So, so you had alluded to this in your, in, in, in the opening. Um, typically our episodes will take one subject or topic 
maybe a season of something or an entire show. So we've done a show on rebels. We've done a show on the first season of Mando. So like a, a different, you know, that have like one primary topic. Um, this one as, as, as the relaunch, as, as our inter, as our entry into volume two, um, we can't, we're going to, we're going to go across, you know, we're going to, we're going to jump around a little bit. So my question for you and what you've alluded to is what have you been up to recently in your Star Wars fandom in the last year or so, um, whether or not we've talked about it uh, on a previous podcast, because we have covered it um, quite a bit in volume one. Um, but what have, what have you been up to? What's what's unique in your in in in, in your uh, Star Wars fandom world that uh, you want to share? Yeah, man, I'll ask you the same question in a sec. But, um, you know, for me, and, and it's topical to what we've been just talking about. I think Star Wars in general as a property, you know, it, it ebbs and flows as a property relative to sort of the zeitgeist, right? So there's there's moments in time where I feel like Star Wars sort of captures the world's attention collectively, right? Like the launch of a new trilogy or um, in some cases, like the launch of something that's very iconic. And the best example I can actually think of is like when Mando aired and there's the reveal of Grogu and Baby Yoda and like suddenly Baby Yoda's in Costco. And so I think there's these moments in time, these sort of like, um kairos moments like if you will where star wars becomes very real very topical and then i also feel like there's times where it starts to sort of ebb and i would caveat that and Mm -hmm. say like it has never really ebbed for me or you um that i'm aware of i think what it forces then is sort of you to go down a different path of your own fandom and to go explore things and so not being divisive but i would tell you like even with the season of bad batch i know mando just sort of relaunched um all of that to say, like, I felt like, you know, short of Andor, which was like a very dramatic and mature property, and I loved it. I feel like we're maybe back in a little bit of like a candy mode and a little bit of like a fluff mode, which is okay, because like, I watched that happen with the Marvel Cinematic Universe too, right? Like people, it's not that you get burned out of it, it's that the property and the tone just take on a totally different shift, right? Like Endgame is so different than Quantumania, which looks very like um, tongue-in-cheek and self-aware and kind of funny. I think with Star Wars 2, we, we might be a little bit into that valley for the time being. But what it's forced for me is to go back and um, reopen like the archival text, if you will. So what I mean by that is, I mean, we talked about it on prior podcasts, but like I, I would tell you I felt like even though you and I would be bona fide experts in Star Wars, I still don't really – I don't know if you ever feel this way. Like I always feel like there's – things I still don't know anything about. And there's a lot that I still haven't really uncovered. Like just because you and I managed to, to, to bore down like 20 feet below the surface relative to like normal people who know star Wars. Cause they've seen the trilogy. I still feel like there's people like 500 feet down below. Right. And they're like, I could ask the question, like who was the assistant gaff on or like best boy for Phantom Menace? And they'd be like, Oh, of course that's like, you know, Doug Jones or something. And you're like, Oh my God, like how do, how do people know that? So for me, it's like re-exploring a little bit of the original trilogy and to some extent the prequel trilogy I find like very very fulfilling and very validating um you know one thing that I always sort of asked myself is like when I look at the original trilogy um as cohesive and amazing and iconic and borderline like biblical as it is for you and I um there's such like a strange tonal disparity And, and like where I'm going with that is I've often wondered like when I watch Empire Strikes Back, what I feel like I'm watching is um, like a very polished and put together movie. Cinematography wise, it looks and feels very different. Tonally, it's very different. 
Um, but I will tell you, like, when I compare that to Return of the Jedi, I do feel like there's this sort of um, flavor, if you will, that, that it seems so off, right? Like, maybe I'm having, uh, for lack of a better word, like foie gras with Empire Strikes Back. And yet with Return of the Jedi, I just feel like maybe I'm at a fast food restaurant. And it's not – that's not disparaging. But, like, I've always wondered, right. like, why, did, why does it feel different? So I did research about this because I was like, these films, it's not just the director, right? It's not just, like, Irving Kirshner versus Marquand, right? Like, I'm like, no, there's there's something more to this. So I, I have been kind of diving back into, like, the original content, sort of these original views. Um, you know, you know, I've talked long and hard. Like, we're both students of, like, Rick McCallum and Ralph McQuarrie, some of the original designers. And you get to yep. kind of unpeel or rather unfurl or peel back um, the sort of like essence of Star Wars by looking at like the original designs. Well, like Ralph McQuarrie is a great example. Why does Star Wars look the way it does? Well, like Ralph McQuarrie originally was designing dental equipment and like designing hydraulic equipment. And he was really into like the study of teeth. Um, and then his first job was to basically go do like set work for Boeing. Like when they would do these big setups of a new jetliner, like he would come in and kind of like run point on design and advertising and like the posters. And then when I, when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that, that's totally why Star Wars looks the way it is. Like I can see it. Mm-hmm. So in the same, in the same vein with like Empire and Return of the Jedi, um, I was reading that like basically Irving Kirshner had a very different philosophy when it came to filmmaking. And it makes sense, right? Like he believed, believed fundamentally that like sweeping shots, for example, are what should take the viewer into a certain place, which is why Empire opens with this really interesting, like tracking overhead shot of Hoth, Luke's on the, the Tauntaun. And if you think about like the lighting alone in Empire, a lot of the visual cues of Empire, which are like very symbolic, like a dumb one, but like Luke's wearing white in A New Hope. And then as he's He's wearing white and brown at the beginning of Empire. And then after he's hit by the Wampa and after the loss of the Battle of Hoth, he's wearing all brown. And then, you know, in Jedi, he's wearing black. And it's only until the very end when he's redeemed and redeems his father that the little white strap comes through. And like Kirshner was apparently like very aware of this, very aware of like not just how things looked, but that the film had to be constructed in a way where it wasn't. We've had this talk a lot. Like it, Empire is in no way for children. In fact, they felt like at the end of right. it, Kirshner went back and was like, this ending is so dark that like four months after they finished filming, they go back and film the scene on the medical frigate with Leia and Luke. Like, he's like, we need something that's um, <laughs> not despondent. And so like, I was like, okay, but then why does Return of the Jedi look that way? My, my old thought was like, well, it's the eighties. They're trying to market it to kids. They put it in an Ewok, but it turned out that, Kirshner didn't want to do six. There was a whole back and forth, but like they get Richard Marquand, who's basically like a documentarian and, or documentarian, excuse me. And he hasn't really done much. And so his whole belief was like, well, I just like the original star Wars um, feel like it was more fantastical. And so I was reading about how, like he basically only kind of believed not in any sort of like true cinematography fashion, like, any technique he was really into like static shots and like they would set the camera up and they would do a shot and then he would move it and it was like very he believed in this idea that like you're just you're documenting what's happening versus creating like a canvas and when you watch those movies you're like oh yeah like okay that kind of makes sense i mean again silly tone stuff set aside um i i just found that like really interesting so to your point like one of the things i've been really curious about is going back to sort of the lore and the mythology of like how 
not like how these things came to be, but like even the fabric of how they were constructed. And I found that like just so interesting because then you can start to read about like, you know, it's like why George talks about how they were begging Irving or sorry, uh, Ralph McCoy to come back because what he was capturing and like his aesthetic was so interesting that they needed it for episode one. But Ralph was like, I'm look, dude, I, I did star Wars. I did, I did Raiders. I did close encounters. Like I am really tired. Like I did ET. Give me a break, dude. Yeah. They, they're like, all right, well, like Doug Chang is like really good. We'll bring him in. So all that to say, like one of the things I'm still around to this day. Yeah. I've been just curious, um, kind of reading about that so much so that it drove me to one of my most recent star Wars purchases, which was, I bought a lithograph of um, Ralph McQuarrie's art. Like he signed it. It's numbered, I think, out of like 2000 or something. They came out in the the early 90s with Star Wars Insider, but they're really beautiful pieces. This is a shot. The one I've always had this weird affinity for um, was Luke fighting Vader, like the concept art of that on Bespin. And I've always liked it, too, because uh, he's wearing the flight suit, which we know he like doesn't actually wear when he gets to Bespin. Right. Right. But then, like, again, McCory had autographed it, and I thought that was really cool. And then they included a film cell from one of the original Empire movie film reels that was out in the theaters. And I actually got a really cool one. It's, it's like, the shot that's an overhead shot of Vader walking out onto the skyhook or skywalk after, like, Luke's kind of retreated. And, like, both of the lightsabers are um, ignited. And it, it's, like, a really cool thing. And, like, again, memorabilia-wise, we're both collectors. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I, to me... I always feel like I can be learning, especially with like the OT. There's just so much yep. involved in the original trilogy that like you'll just uncover those nuggets, right? And be like, oh, that's like really interesting, you know? And so that's like one of the things. But I mean, what about you? Have have has your adventure or foray taken you into sort of un, uncharted territory as well? <laughs> yeah. So so it's 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 funny that you mention it and and perhaps it's just because we're aligned with kind of like the Star Wars fandom or call it what you will but yeah there are there are times where as a longtime fan you kind of want to dive back into some of the original stuff even if it's even if it's not legend or even if it's legends and, and no longer considered to be canon which um is a topic that we've gone over before and I, I'm not going to dive deep into it but suffice it to say that everything is still enjoyable star wars content wise regardless of whether it's canon or not and we'll, we'll leave it at that um so first to your point on the macquarie art I, I i love it like one of the best purchases i made while on vacation about a year ago um was like a seven dollar deck of playing cards that has macquarie concept art on it um and that you know a deck of cards has like 52 cards in it um but there are, or 54, if I guess if you count the the jokers, um, there are like 54 unique pictures on it, um, and so they follow a certain themes, like the king is always Luke and the print, the, the queen's always Leia, things like that. Um, <clears throat> but they have the the different art, and so it's I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually, while you were talking about that uh, that 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 the lithograph that you have, I was uh, I was pulling it up in my tech cards <laughs> to look at. So it is a really nice piece. Um, the only problem is that with the cards, the 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 uh, spacing isn't right on them, so you get you don't get the whole picture as if you were uh, maybe thumbed through a book or anything. To answer your question, um, I've been diving into a little bit of legends in the the novel arena. We've gone over this a few times in volume one, um, but some of the recent stuff that I've been listening to because I listen, I I tend to listen to audio books. Um, 
rather than read. Uh, one, I don't have time to concentrate and focus on reading versus while I'm driving, I can listen to it in the background. Um, and two, I just, uh, reading is, readings for nerds. No, um, my job <laughs> entails a lot of, <laughs> I just, reading entails a lot of, uh, it's, it's my job is like reading. So I don't want to, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to take it home, so to speak. Um, so I've, I, I completed within the last, mm, let's call it definitely a year, uh, but it's probably a closer time frame. Um, I actually went back and went through the entire original Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, um, written by Timothy Zahn, uh, published 91, 92, and 93. Um, and I listened to all three of those back to back to back. And then... Um, I am now in book three of what has been rebranded now, um, but I'm in book three of um, the the X-wing novels, um, the ones yes. written by Michael Stackpole. Um, they're they're called like Rogue Squadron now. If if anyone's looking on them for Audible, I promise Audible's not paying me. Um, it, the unabridged versions don't have the original cover work. Um, they're read by Mark Thompson, who is the man when it comes to reading um, and doing the voices and everything. He's awesome. Um, but those, so they've been a little bit rebranded uh, as Rogue Squadron. But I'm in book three of that, um, which takes place actually in the timeline before Heir to the Empire, although they were published about um, they started coming out about five years, uh, five years after Heir to the Empire first came out. Um, so like in the middle of the nineties and then the they, they had, yeah, is that, the, is that like, is that when the whole like world devastators viewing thing occurs or is that so, later? so good question. Good question. I am not. Th so there's a couple of things to that. So what I'm reading on right now are the Stackpole novels. There's four of them. And then there is, I, I, I don't know it on the fly. So forgive me, um, star Wars fans. Uh, there is another set of novels that, um, come out the race that involve Wraith squadron and um that might get into it point being is that this is before air um this is before air to the empire takes place in the chronology and um it is uh it is largely talking about like when the rebels actually took or the alliance at that point took over coruscant so like the first book is introducing you to the team the second book is how they took coruscant um i'm pretty early on into the third book so i don't know like the entire quick one you know once in summary but this is like the aftermath of taking coruscant and then there's a fourth book that'll wrap up kind of that arc um so this takes place before Heir of the empire i'm gonna say you know a couple a handful of years after return of the jedi it focuses on wedge antilles who is a pilot that survived both death death star runs he's in a new hope he's in return of the jedi um and he's in he's in empire strikes back for that matter um and so uh and he's in I, I think he's in the Rise of Skywalker that I haven't seen. Um, but uh, but and, and then they introduced a couple of other characters to to your question with the world devastators. There is an offshoot comic series of Rogue Squadron that I that tells similar and aligned tales. But I do not know that they I don't know if they are the word, you know, like word for word. I don't actually think that they align. Yeah. I think they're, they're different. Um so that that I, I haven't gotten to that point if it is the case, um, but I know that the comics tell their own stories as well. So I've been getting into that. It's it's I always when I when I judge Star Wars books, um, you know, I don't I don't like judge them as I would judge like typical normal books. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I understand it's hard to write seriously when you have to when you have to like 
it talk it, when you have to talk about the smell of calf instead of the smell of coffee, or you have to talk about Nerf nuggets or what have you. Um, but I give them the benefit of the doubt on that. And I've enjoyed it um, from a story standpoint, from a character development standpoint. Um, and the writing has been fairly decent um, for, 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 for some star for star Wars. Uh, so I've enjoyed that a lot. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's been good. I'm excited to kind of wrap it up and, and keep the, keep the novels going. The one thing that I'll say, and then I'll toss it back to you is um, it's so funny when they wrote books, this happened in both the heir to the empire trilogy. And then so far in rogue squadron or X-wing books, um, they love because it's keep in mind early 90s mid 90s they love making homages back to um the original trilogy like any time any chance they get uh so they're like oh that reminds like <laughs> a random conversation oh that reminds me of that one time on hoth remember that time on hoth when the empire invaded and they shot the, the walkers came down and they attacked us um characters will reference ewoks that they have no business knowing what ewoks actually are because like who outside of the, the strike team actually knows about Ewoks, but the, uni- the now the galaxy somehow knows like, oh, that that guy's as tall as an Ewok. Like <laughs> any time, any chance they got to make a reference to the OT, and that was probably worked into the deal um, that, that they took. So, uh, so, so yeah. Have you have you read? Did you ever read those? Did you get into the comic part, or like, what's the what's the deal? I didn't. I, I remembered the viewing stuff from. Um the old 64 game rogue squadron yeah it's really funny you mentioned that because like i think we talked in a prior episode a little bit about that book heart of the jedi which it's called like a manuscript but the the point in all of it was like there was a book called heart of the jedi it was originally going to be the first star wars book that they ever released even before heir to the empire and there were a number of reasons some of them sort of political as to why the book was never um, published. And I say political, I mean like uh, internal politics of like the, the publishing house, but they recovered the script and then they ended up like publishing it in sort of this like fake style about a year, what, a year and a half ago. Um, there was like a huge thing on Amazon and it'd be like the number one book. <laughs> and then they, Disney yeah. like freaked out. And anyways, Daniel, and I I mean, it, was right around, it was right around Star Wars day. Uh, it was maybe almost two years ago by now. Well, the time and flies, the crazy man. Thing is I got that book for like six ninety nine because it was like a nonprofit thing. And that I was just talking to Daniel about this. Like I'm trying to find like an acrylic bookcase for it because it now routinely goes for like over five hundred dollars on eBay. Like that, it's now a collector's item and it looks really cool. Um, but all that to say, I remember reading that mm-hmm. book, Daniel, and like because all they had was the OT content, like they go so far as to basically recreate the interaction in the most icely cantina, Chalman's cantina, when like Luke goes in, it like Poondababa and Dr. Evison are back. And like Poondababa has like a cybernetic arm and he's like, hey, and like you cut off my arm or this guy cut off my arm last time. And you're like, oh wow, like they really didn't have anything. So everything <laughs> is this like weird, bizarre happenstance, like callback to something you saw in the movies. Um, I never worse than worse than like an episode one uh, deleted scenes. Yeah, I just throw Garrido in there, you know, no, no problem. Yeah. Garrido's Anakin's friend. Though I give him a pass because that was like 1989. And so like all they had was basically the OT. And then I guess technically like the Sindel Tawani Ewoks garbage. But um, yeah, no, to answer your question, like I... You know, the book thing for me was always really tough because I did read some, like I read like Shadows of the Empire. I read many years ago, Heir to the Empire, um, the, tr- the trilogy. There were some other random ones like Truce of Akura and like, um, 
I definitely loved the short stories and novelizations, um, like the Tales from Java's Palace, Tales from Mosaisa Cantina, Tales from the Bounty Hunters, Tales from the Empire. Those were all really cool. Um, and I thought added a lot. Yep, but no, I, I, I never I never got into the X-Wing books. And for no other reason than I, they just they kind of eluded me at the time. And I I don't think this is gonna sound funny, like I don't think I was mature enough for them because in like fifth, yeah. sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I was probably still. I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah, like I was more interested in like the the chronology of like the main characters and less the supporting characters. Whereas now, I mean, I would tell you that that would be a moot point um, for me and my fandom. So I'll definitely, I'll definitely check them out. Let me ask you this from a from a general sort of collectible sense, or I guess from a you know expanding the collection perspective. Have you have you started kind of venturing into any kind of new territory i mean what i will share with you is like you set them up i'll knock them down well yeah no i mean well the reason i asked that is because like at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about star wars going through peaks and valleys um i saw this really funny instagram post that was like this is what star wars looked like at target in 1999 and 2000 and it was like floor to ceiling (laughs) episode one merch everything you can imagine and then i was like this is what it looks like now and there's like a few scattered kind of cheapy 799 like extendable lightsabers some yep. random like little mini vehicles i know some of them you, you've, you've collected but like it's it's bare walkie talkies the walkie talkies are there <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like, the stuff that like nobody is like nobody like, okay, wants nobody wants this and that's it's kind of dead so i was just curious you know from your perspective if if there's anything you'd recommend or you you've just yeah. been sort of taken in by yeah um, and and volume one has has toys and collecting and we'll probably do um, a, a part two episode on that stuff to do a catch up. Um, one of the things that I've been going moving a little bit more in the direction of is uh, hot toys. So the one sixth scale um, uh, collectible action figures um, that that you get me into, you you tend to cost me a lot of money when you're like, hey, this is pretty cool. And I'm like, ah, just just. Why don't you just charge my credit card immediately, man? Why don't why, just cut <laughs> some steps? Job. That's my job. Um, so, so I've been doing that, um, and then that's kind of at the expense, figuratively and literally, um, both at both money and space at 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 the Black Series. Which, um, if if you, if folks are listening to us and they've been listening, well, I shouldn't say been listening, but if folks are listening to this and and they're kind of like in our circle, they know what I'm talking about. But the Black Series is like the Marvel Legends, like the six inch tall main. People will take umbrage with that, but like the main line for collecting today. Um, so I've been steering away from that, um, and I've actually been kind of jumping into the smaller line, the the original, the 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 founding line, if you will, of the three seven five inch. Um, so I'm trying, I'm going through like a little bit of a crossroads in, when it comes to collecting and how I want to focus. And I'm starting to lean in your direction of quality over quantity, the army building, save for exceptions for me, which I know you don't have anymore, but like, I, I still want to maintain a pretty healthy, uh, original trilogies set of figures, um, but I don't know what to do with the rest of them. I, I can't display them. They're, they're not worth the shelf space. I can't really hold on. I don't need them. They take up a lot of space in general. Um, so I've been trying to move towards higher quality, uh, pieces like hot toys. And so I've been kind of, I've been enjoying that. It keeps, um, at a pretty good pace. There's some figures I want released that they don't have yet. You send me 
so many pieces of awesome stuff like that i that uh like all this custom work incredible heads like incredible body stuff like the uh, costumes and, and and clothes and everything and so i'm 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 steering towards more of that in collecting which has been a change for me um historically uh and so that's kind of been where my collecting is at i know you have been also Mine has kind of been like a shift within a sub within a sub genre of collecting in that I moved from one toy line to another. You've made a little bit more of um, I won't call it a full sea change, but you've you dove into an area that's like outside of, um, you know, what we've been how we've been uh, collecting Star Wars recently. So why don't you jump into what what you've been doing uh, recently with Star Wars? Yeah, man. I mean, I. For the people that listen and that know us and have probably been to my home um, and, and obviously some of my close friends. And if you follow me on doc, on Instagram at, at, at Dr. Weapon X, that's not a plug. It just provides context. Um, you know, I, I Daniel and I both really collected a series of action figures like that you described, I thought, very aptly as mainline. And that's cool. Um, and I love that stuff. I, I, I'm in no way disparaging it because it serves a purpose and it's fun. I think. For me, though, it's interesting because I've kind of come full circle, like action figures, for example, were like one of the things that brought me into Star Wars um, that toys for most people um, is pertained to Star Wars was like a gateway. It's that or books. Um, and what I what I found actually is like as I've kind of packed away 99 percent of all of those figurines and like really had one of my spare bedrooms in the basement um, look like. I use this term and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but like I've tried to go for almost a gallery look, like really into lighting. I only display like the pieces I really like. I will invest in pieces and that's a key word. Like I invest in stuff that, well, I have no intention of selling it. Like I want it to be either really unique or like something that's really special. And whether that's like having customizers like flock and build me like a one six scale replica of a Tauntaun that actually looks like it could have been used by ILM, like that, that's something interesting to me. I just mentioned earlier, like the collection of the Ralph McQuarrie litho or, um, you know, the Ralph McQuarrie coffee table books. I mean, I had looked at those on Amazon for the longest time. They were originally retailing for like $400. And I think there was like one day that Amazon must yeah, have targeted yeah. just you and I and like six other people and been like, uh, lightning deal of the day. This is $160. I was like, done. Like I'm, I bought them. And I've really enjoyed going through sort of that Bible of all of the, original sketch work and the designs and then most recently um this is kind of random but there was a series of thing uh cards that we talked about i think it's about 1995 um that play a huge role in the star wars lore it was a company called decipher i've mentioned them before uh two guys who were big like sort of card fans basically got the green light from Lucasfilm to go create like a customizable card game. This was like when Magic the Gathering um, was like at its peak. And so the idea was really like, how do we go create a Star Wars card game? And I, the story goes basically like Lucasfilm was awesome. Met with these two guys, like George Lucas even met them. Um, Steve Sansweet met with them and they're like, tell you what, like we're going to give you not only the original film cells and let you like take high res images. This is like 1993, 1994 when they're producing it. Uh, we're also going to like let you just have full access to the library. So like all of the props, all of the original stuff that was at Skywalker Ranch, they had access to. And they created this card game. And the reason I mentioned that is that 
they went through and basically were responsible for assigning a name and a biography and a background to like every prop and every background character, extra background alien. Like they were the guys that got to name yep. that. Um, and I always thought that was really cool. That card game was massively popular for, oh gosh, I would say like the later part of the nineties, like probably from like 95 to 99. And I was a huge buyer of it. We've joked about this, never even played the game. I don't, I've, I've looked back now at 38 and I'm like, um, like I read the instructions the other day. I'm like, I still don't really understand this. Kind of really cool. hard, guys. Kind of yeah, hard. Yeah, <laughs> no, it turns out. Like, and, you, and you could Google, for example, like the card game, and you'll find these really funny articles from like the slates or the pair, uh, polygons or Kotaku's or whatever, like the sort of nerdist even where people talk about that card game and how like insular it was, but it was insular and in that it was like really complicated and only a few people played it, but like popular and that it, there it was sort of satisfied the the collector niche anyways um the game went out of print in 2000 like shortly after episode one there turned out one of the guys was like embezzling money from his brother and they lost the license and that was it um side note they also did the star trek and the lord of the rings card game which apparently have like again cult followings well this game also has like a cult following um because the game is long out of print and nobody's really interested um for a long time you could get this stuff for next to nothing on eBay. When the pandemic hit, all collectibles, and if the, like our viewer or listeners don't know this, um, it, it was one of those things basically where they everything became hyperinflated and everything became hyper rare. And if you look at like old comic books from the 30s and 40s, the reason they were so rare is like they weren't produced a lot, or they were produced a lot, but like they, at one point people stopped caring, and so like to find a, an intact copy of them became rare just by virtue of the fact they were sort of seen as worthless or disposable. So I've been right. recollecting collectibles before they were collectible, any number of stories, like even, like even the first baseball cards were like inserts for cigarettes. So that's why they're yeah. so rare is because like, who, who cares? You throw it away, pack of cigarettes. Well, and so again, like I was, I was more interested in collecting some of that. A lot of it's graded, which is kind of cool. Some of the cards are very valuable, um, and admittedly, I've spent a decent amount of money on them. But I think, you know, there's a terrible, terrible movie. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, it stars Christian Bale and Tay Diggs and Sean Bean and the guy that played Robert the Bruce in Braveheart. But it's called, like, Equilibrium. And it's, like, this weird, stupid, dystopian movie from, you know, it's like... Like my favorite movie. It was like this terrible <laughs> Matrix ripoff, and like it was basically 1984 meets the Matrix. Like, there's no such thing as art, but in it, like, there's a sequence where one of the guys, I think it's actually Sean Bean, um, had collected and hoarded like all of this art. Terrible analogy, but like that's sort of how I feel with Star Wars collecting right now. Is like I'm really trying to like salvage the things that I think are important that may not survive, like the expanded universe stuff, like. Does anybody care that I have like Prince Shizor or like Mara Jade or Kyle Katarn and stuff? Like, no, and, and only like a hardcore fan would know. But I would tell you like part of my collecting and like part of just the nature of where I'm at in the hobby right now, or even just as it pertains to Star Wars as a whole, is is more about the acquisition of stuff that I'm like kind of worried is being lost to like the annals of Star Wars fandom, right? Like it's yeah. you, you said at the beginning, like a lot of this stuff isn't canon. With all that to say, like, very strange. It's a very strange time. Um, but I have found an immense amount of satisfaction <laughs> um, getting, like, these slabs. I'm kind of learning the card market as far as, like, submitting to um, graders and getting them back and, like, the whole process that's involved there. 
again, never really would have thought that I was going to get into that um, area of collecting, but I think your point's well taken. Like I, at one, at one point, like I think the star Wars, especially when it comes to collectibles, like you can only gravitate so much in the world of like toys or collectibles, for example, before either one that gets exhausted two it becomes boring. And then three, like, I'll stop here and say, like, I think it's interesting because it's it's almost like um, my fandom is like transcending to a different level as far as like, you know, you're buying poker cards, right, man? Like when when were we ever going to be doing that? I'm buying old collectible cards from like an out of print card game that's coming up on 30 years old. So um, it went beyond just like the hyper like bye 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 what the collectible line is at Target or on eBay. And instead now it's like, no, like I want to go back and like that's a good word. I want to recover some of this stuff yeah. um, and for nothing, for no other reason than my own, right? Like I can't even tell you, like hardly any of our friends, like even come down and look at that room. My kids may be the only people and like, I post stuff on Instagram, but it's really more for me as like a, mm-hmm. um, like a hermit, right. Of, of like star Wars. Like I don't want that stuff to be lost. I, I don't know if you feel that way or not. But. No, no, no. I, 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 I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, so, so first of all, um, the older I get, um, God, man, we're, we're 40 is 40 is closer than I would have liked for, for, for both of us. Um, we're not there yet, but it's coming. Um, but like the older I get, the, 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 the more I realize that nostalgia hits harder. Like I always think that nostalgia is, is a, is a, if not the driving force, it's a heavy factor, a heavy driving force for, uh like what i what i enjoy in collecting and having and 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 immersing myself in um so there's like a nostalgia factor but then you're right like are we are we not gatekeepers but keepers of the sacred texts and um you heard like i already i had already mentioned that i I, that i was diving into um you know heir to the empire and and the 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 x-wing slash rogue squadron books but one of the other things i've actually bought the paperback i have complete the complete volume one of essential guides to uh star wars that were supposed to be companion they came out starting in you know like 96 i think 1996 1997 um and they meant to track with uh with with the old bantam books and the other the, the novels and dive into the, some of the characters and everything um and so i have i have like the the, the species the the characters the uh, just 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 there's a whole bunch of them we might get into it at some point and um I like having that and like it's not even something I can display and it's not something where it's even that terribly impressive to display that knowledge. Um, And so and so um, I've been doing I've been I've been looking at that. The one thing that I think is cool and the one reason I think it's a cool it's it's a huge benefit um, is uh, is that is because. I have seen, um, you know, like the novels will say like, oh, this, this, you know, the income 65B X-Wing, which is not a good example because I know we all know what the X-Wing looks like. Um, but they will go into like depth. They'll be like, oh, the Sorosub, uh, like light glider, Carrick system class, you know, flight yeah. freighter. Um, and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And then you don't get like a great description. It's like, oh, it has a curved hull and it <laughs> has a couple of late turbo lasers on the side. Um, and... So 
now I have like the essential guide to vehicles and weapons. Um, and, and so I look at that and I'm like, Oh, okay, this is what that ship looks like. This is what it, this is what it's size in comparison to other ships. Um, this is like kind of the firepower it brings to a battle. Um, and this is why like it was actually created like, okay, so this, you know, this ship is to counter X wings because the X wings were tearing up uh, star destroyers because the star destroyers turbo lasers were too big to be able to hit X wings. And so they need this. Yeah. So it's like the books offer at that time, because again, they don't have a whole lot to go off of. So they're inventing some of the stuff at the time in terms of the technology and, and some of the, some of the names of the species, if not species themselves. Um, that, so, so they're inventing this content and they're taking it down and it's just, it's, I'm glad that like everything aligns and I can, I can put like a picture to a name. Um, and it helps, it helps with like a better experience, but that experience is wholly mine. Um, I can't, I like, I don't think I'm going to start a YouTube. We do a podcast, so I guess we could get crazy there, but, uh, like other than, other than self enjoyment and kind of getting more immersed into that universe, uh, I don't see <laughs> there's not like an outward extrinsic uh, purpose for it. So it's it's the, it's the fandom um, at different at different levels. So different well, ways talk, to enjoy. We've talked so, about it. I don't I don't know. And it, I mean, this is more like a holistic question. Like I don't I have long like wondered sometimes I was like, could I if somebody like it, like we're watching the show with Harrison Ford right now called Shrinking. He's like playing a shrink and it's interesting. But I was like, if I ran into Harrison Ford and like was allowed to geek out or even George Lucas or Mark Hamill or somebody. Right. And like they just asked me the question of like, why do you like Star Wars? Like almost sar sarcastically. Um, I don't know that I could answer that question. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't have an answer anymore. Like, yeah. It, it, and I've been like, well, then do I like it? And I was like, well, no, I mean, I know I love it, but I'm like, I think at this point to what you're describing, like the fact that there's such an appreciation for minutia, but also like the construction and the fabric of like what goes into the making of something like that, that I probably can't even explain to you what it is that I like anymore. Like some people may step back and be like, man, I just really love collecting like Persian or Moroccan rugs. I love the design. I love the way it looks. I love the way it feels. And I think like we all start there. And yet I find more validation in looking at like, I'd rather look at the loom and see, like, well, where did they even go get, like, the cotton and the wool for this? Like, and how come they did it this way? Like, why did this guy do this? And does that signify this? And it becomes, like, this borderline, and I hate to use this word dramatically, but, like, spiritual quest into the property that I, I can't explain anymore. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it, I really, I truly say that. Like, I don't know what it is. And I don't even know why I, after you were joking about turning Gus getting close to turning 40 like <laughs> I don't know why after 30 years it has continued to occupy really like the frontal lobe of my like yeah. hobby interests right through all phases of my life and I, I think so like I, of course like I'm not going to give you like the cheese box line like there must be something special then like of course there is but yeah like it's so strange to me and like this is like a really random example, but going back to him, like I was even thinking about, um, you know, like if, if you ever did meet Harrison Ford, he comes to Kansas a weird amount because he does a lot of flying up in Wichita. Yeah, people talk about it. And be like, he hates talking about Star Wars, but like everybody knows that. But then it'd be like really hard to communicate to somebody like him. Like, I don't think you understand, though, like your image, your visage 
in the room I'm in right now in my basement, your face appears. <laughs> your face literally appears in my home four times in this one room. You're on a Return of the Jedi poster. You're on an Empire poster. You're on that ridiculous Tauntaun statue that costs way too much money, like as a figure eight. And then I open that door into that other room and there's any number of like Han Solo things. There's a Han Solo card in a box that I'm looking at right now, which I was showing you before we started recording. Like, how do you communicate that yeah, yeah. level of, it's not fandom. I don't care about Harrison Ford. I don't, I mean, Indiana Jones is cool, but like, I, I like his movies. Um, I'm not terribly interested in him, in him as a person. Um, right. But like, how do you, how do you really like explain that away? Like how, what is that? And I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that, but it's so strange to me, right? Like what I have to, what I have to leave myself with is, um, or where I leave it off at is, uh, Star Wars makes my tail wag, man. I don't, I try not to think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Like it, 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 it puts me in a happy place, uh, for, there's 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 memories associated with it that are powerful and get stronger uh, as as time goes on, um, and it seems like it's always been there and will always be there. And beyond that, I can't, you know, I'm sure there's certain juices, I'm sure there's certain neurons firing in my brain. I I don't care to be quite honest. Uh, like it, it 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 is what it is, and I think our I, th- I think you know, looking at looking at the factory rather than rather than the product um, is an interesting take, and I think part of that's because um, while Star Wars is ever growing, there is a segment of Star Wars that we both love, and it's not the only segment of Star Wars we love. We're not, you know, whatever, um, but there is a st- segment of Star Wars we love that is not growing any longer, um, and that is that whose borders have been drawn, and so now that we know how wide it is. Um, now we're trying to go in depth. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we can we can watch Return of the Jedi a hundred times. Uh, we're not going to glean. I mean, we can appreciate it in different ways or whatever. We're not going to glean a whole lot more from from a viewing of Return of the Jedi versus maybe looking at a couple of production picks and being like, oh my god, they actually built like half of the sail barge. Like it's a huge set, and they just built like half of it, and they climbed up, and it was really there. And and this is how they did that. And I think that that's like an that helps continue um, an ability to learn um, and be fascinated with new things when you know that 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 segment is not technically growing. Um, so I look forward to that. Uh, yeah. So I see here, you know, I try to be efficient with our with our podcasting time. I don't want to. I, I try to time them out to about the time it takes to mow my lawn. <laughs> and hopefully the time it takes for people for commute maybe to and from work uh so were there any closing thoughts were there were any any rebuttals any any thoughts you wanted to get to before we uh we we call it a wrap on on first episode of volume two no i actually liked where you ended it because i felt like that really set the tone for this next volume of, of podcast that we'll release i think i don't want to say that i hope we've credentialed ourselves to any new listeners because that's like, who, what does that really mean? But I do think, like, that should set the tone, and that sets the stage very nicely for probably the the explanation of both the exposition and the composition of why we talk about what we talk about, why we have this podcast, and hopefully why some of the areas that we may bring up in future episodes will seem a little bit, they could either seem somewhat esoteric, they could seem nebulous, or you might even go so far as to say, like, I'm not interested if I see, for example, in your your episode description that you're going to talk about 
making this up like toys or something or like collectible yep. cards I, for, for whatever because like sure. you don't think it applies and i would tell you like even for me now looking back i don't know like i've squeezed that to use your example like it maybe said another way like i've i've squeezed that sponge so many times that like i have been forced by by virtue of sort of the how finite the ot and the ptr that like I'm going to have to look at different aspects of it because again, we can set this up for a later episode. There's a reason why I think we are um, the most politically and like fair, correct and way to say this is like the reason probably you and I have a perspective on some newer content is not anything other than the investment and the time over 30 years of not just like personal investment, but the investment of like, canonicity and knowledge that really does like to your point like it just makes the tail wag it's like why why we love the property and so again i think where you landed it was nice i didn't mean to like just continue to ride your coattails and (laughs) expound any further but i liked it i mean i really did no i mean look man that's the that's the brutal freaking reality of our fandom and a lot of people in our friendship circle or our wives or our children probably well, our children may or may not be aware of this but like they know that and they'll see it and um yeah i'm excited I'm glad, <laughs> if they I'm don't glad. know now i've got some news for them yeah oh uh look, <laughs> there's not an aspect of my life that star wars doesn't creep into so much so I literally quoted the most Isley Cantina song to like a senior most executive that I work with at a huge corporation. And I was like, do you know, like you've been to Star Wars? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so this whole thing about production and like who's taking ownership of the application, this really reminds me of like the part where Hans quotes them, you know, this is going to cost X, Y, Z to go to Alderaan. I think it's, it's like, you know, it's going to cost you 10,000 or 15,000. And Luke says like, yeah. well, we can almost buy our own ship for that. And then Hans says, and I said it just back to the product. And I'm like, and who's going to fly it, kid? You? Uh, he's like, oh man, I love that part. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, Jesus, dude, like, come on, like restrain yourself. Um, uh, yeah, I can't. I mean, it's just, it's, it's our reality, but I hope it, this was good. I, I felt like yeah. it was a good sort of abstract level discussion of, the state of the fandom we'll we'll put together um an agenda here of, of some different topics but um i'm looking sure of course to they're it. not going to be all they're not going to be all over the place like this um we'll we'll get some subjects and stuff but yeah well I'll let you sign us off brother all right well um welcome aboard for the for the for the soft relaunch sand crawler uh thanks for listening this far we will do giveaways Giveaways will happen because we will buy your your listenership, so that will that will absolutely happen. But I will say this, my good friend Jeff, may the force be with you. And may the force be with you. <laughs>